I hope that it cultivates like curiosity and mm-hmm. investigation that someone sees this who might be creatively persuaded or just interested in, in looking at something like this and being like, well, wait, but how? How does this happen? Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Hilsenbrano. Together, we speak to people from around the globe about their practice and passions in the field of print media and multiples. Hello, print friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been a leading innovator and manufacturer of printmaking products for over 50 years. Speedball's screens answer the call to have an easy-to-use way to screen print no matter what your experience level. Whether printing at home, studio, or classroom, these easy-to-use mesh screens allow you to create permanent photographic stencils without the need to mix a motion or coat a screen. All you need is your design and you are ready to print. Pick up the Speed Screen Kit for the most affordable way to get the materials you need to print your next masterpiece. There's a link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by Legion Paper. Legion is a fine art paper company representing the best papers in the world. They either stock it, source it, or make it. With brands like Stonehenge, Somerset, Coventry, Reeves, Arches, and more, Legion is the best paper resource for every artist's and printmaker's needs. Learn more about the variety of paper Legion stocks at www.legionpaper.com. My guests this week are Alex Anthes, Doug Eberhardt, and Ashley Pastore who have all joined me today to talk about the incredible mural they have taken part in creating in Erie, Pennsylvania. This mural was produced entirely out of steamrolled four foot by eight foot relief blocks. In this episode, we talk about how the project began, coming or returning to a small art community to make a difference, and discovering acrophobia on the job. We also, unexpectedly, get into the recent loss of close family members and how this intersects with how and why we are driven to create. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to get up there with Alex, Doug, and Ashley. Hi, y'all. How's it going? Great. How are you? Good. Really good. Good. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for reaching out and letting me know about the exciting project that we're all here to chat about. And I have a ton of questions. I'm really genuinely interested in how this came to be, how you pulled it all off. How do you find money for something like this? All of those big questions. But before we get into all of that, would you please, each of the three of you, introduce yourselves by the ways of who you are, where you are, what you do? My name is Alex Anthes. I am a printmaker. I kind of do more like non-traditional printmaking. I incorporate a lot of non-traditional materials into my printmaking practice. I'm a recent graduate of Kent State University, class of 2023. Yeah, my work centers a lot around kind of the intersection between grief and celebration. And I'm living in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I have my practice here out of Grounded Print and Paper Shop. Beautiful. And I'm Ashley Pastori. I am from Erie, PA. I moved back here five years ago from Michigan, Chicago, 
Austin. I was living in a number of places and I came back here to start this art space because this is not really something that exists here. And I really would like, I wanted to be around family. So I wanted to be able to continue making the work that I make and I needed to have the tools to do that. So it's become something that's a shared space for lots of, lots of people at this point. But yeah, I'm a printmaker and an installation artist, mostly work in found objects and paper-based stuff. Beautiful. Uh, I'm Doug Eberhardt and I'm an an artist, printmaker, illustrator, educator. Yeah, I live in Western Pennsylvania and I've been printmaking for a while, teaching print at Edinburgh University, which is also my alma mater. I've also taught some workshops here at Grounded and I'm really happy that this shop exists and that it was able to facilitate such an amazing project. And uh, yeah, I guess my, my primary medium in print is probably screen printing. I do a lot of screen printing. I also do, sometimes I even do like editions for other artists using screen printing, but I like also making like 2D prints and I like making zines and comic books and stuff. I'm a pretty illustrative printmaker. I like, I just love to draw and yeah, I think that's, that's it for me. (laughs) And so how did each of you find printmaking and what do you think it was about that that made you keep coming back? So Alex and I both went to the Cleveland Institute of Art. You were a year behind me? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I met Alex when I was like in my third year at CIA and in a printmaking class in the beautiful, wonderful print shop in the Gund building at CIA (laughs) where we shared music. And I don't know, like it was a really fun, awesome communal kind of space. And we've been friends ever since then. Mm -hmm. So, and I, we've, lived in Austin together. We've lived in various places together. Alex ended up moving to Erie to help with Grounded from New York City, which is like insane. Why'd you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It felt more impactful for me. I was not, I was, I'm originally from Cleveland, but kind of this idea of brain drain and coming back to a city where you can really have a major impact on the art scene or really influence people with printmaking it felt more meaningful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was a big move for you, especially. Yeah. Because, I mean, my family is here, but yours is not. So. You're my family. Yeah. We're, we're basically family. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I met Doug. How did I meet you? How did we meet? We, I feel like I was, cause I always heard about you peripherally. They were like, Oh, Doug, he's my, awesome. My reputation preceded. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Everyone is like, he's so talented. He's so awesome. And I, I never got around to really meeting you until like a when year we ago. Meet? We really, did we meet like mostly because of this project? Yes. Although I did ask you to come up and teach those workshops. I did do some workshops. So, yeah. yeah. Probably just because we're in the same yeah. area. Small and- town. If you're a printmaker, all the other printmakers right. in the area. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, found, I found printmaking. So I, went to Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania and I knew I loved to draw and I, Edinburgh has a great animation program. So I was like, I like cartoons and stuff like that. It probably shows in my work. So I thought that animation would be a good outlet for me. I also always loved music. I played in bands and stuff. And I just remember walking through the halls of Edinburgh and there was like just a whole community of printmakers at Edinburgh at the time making like awesome screen printed gig posters. Mm. And I think that that was like, I just was blown away by the the work that was being made in the department and was like, maybe this is what I want to do instead of animation. Um, and I got in there and started screen printing and loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely connected to what you all were saying about 
that desire to go somewhere where you feel like you can have an impact. Having lived in places like Sydney and Bangkok and then now Alfred, New York, (laughs) I really understand that feeling of being in a city of 10 million people and you're you're doing your own thing and you're trying to carve out your piece. And then you can show up somewhere though where people truly say, we're so glad you're here. We're so excited for what you're doing. And that makes a difference. Just going to go off of what you were saying about like being in a place. Erie is a really interesting place. I don't know what Alfred is like, but Erie seems to be this kind of like, it's a Rust Belt city that has kind of, it stopped growing. Actually, it started declining in mm-hmm. a few years. And being like from here, it was something I was always like, I need to get out of here. I need to go. And I'm really glad that I was able to leave and experience things other places. And I, I feel like living in Austin specifically had a really big impact on me because I felt like the ideas that I had were very supported. Like people were like, just do it, just make the thing happen. And that like, that mentality was not something that I experienced here in Erie. It was, there was a lot of, you can't, you can't do that thing. Like that's weird. That doesn't make Mm. sense. Are you going to support yourself or whatever? So coming, coming back here was like a really, I'm like, I'm going to take this fuel and like, why can't this place be more like this other place? That's maybe a little bit more supportive and positive, but, but throwing our, I mean, throwing myself into this, this place, I've learned a lot about why, maybe, and just being an observant person, like trying to understand why people's mentalities are the way they are here. And I think that in the last five years, a lot has actually started to change here. And there's a lot of support for the art and uh, that's happening. And I mean, this project that we did was made possible through the arts organization here that was headed by Patrick Fisher, who he, he really did make a lot of he helped influence a lot of things changing here. Mm. That's Yeah, I'm just going to say that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that actually, I was going to prompt you to kind of set the scene of Erie, the context in which the project takes place. And I think that's really helpful, what you were just saying. And, you know, not being from the Rust Belt, but being married to someone from the Rust Belt and knowing his history and knowing his family he's spoken to almost some of the exact same things that you just did of this attitude of nothing's ever going to change. Why would you try and do that? Don't waste your time. You can't make a living that way. I mean, even when we were getting married, there were some people who were like, why would you want to do that? Like just, and, and I think that, you know, that is really symptomatic of much, much larger, societal pressures and changing of the American landscape mm-hmm. in a way that probably is the seeds of a lot of turmoil that we're going through right now as a people mm-hmm. of the United States of America. And so it's so beautiful to hear this narrative of someone coming back to the Rust Belt city and building what they want to see and then maybe moving that needle a bit of why would you do that? How, what makes you think you can do that? And then just coming and doing it, which is like, that's the greatest proof, right? <laughs> so this has also been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life for sure. <laughs> oh, mental anguish on a daily basis, but you know, we're working through it. And I don't know, I feel like it's, I'm getting to a point right now where it feels, it's starting to feel more good than mm-hmm. bad because there's like, I've had help. There's been like, 
I, I have this thing that's established now. I'm not just like for like the first year and a half grounded was like really bare and like dirty. And like, I'm like, I don't have the things I'm trying to do this thing, but I don't have the funds to like buy the equipment that we need to do these classes. And I don't even know how to do this. I don't know. There was like a lot of, but I feel I'm feeling a little bit more established and like sure of myself now. So, so I'm glad to be here. I don't think I would ever go back and redo it. It's <laughs> so funny. I feel that way as much as I love the podcast. If I knew how much work this was going to be every week, when yeah, I, have said, yeah. I should start a weekly podcast. That's the thing. It's like you get an idea and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And then, and then like the daily, every single day you have to show up and do this thing. It like, it changes it. It's like, it's always, it's funny and nice in your brain, but then whenever you pull it out of your brain, sometimes it's like, wow, this is actually really hard. I think think the mural was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Really? You've done the hardest thing I've done also. Plus you've, Oh God. So (laughs) was like, it was a lot of work. It was, but it was fun. It was fun. And it was, I mean, I just keep, I was thinking about earlier today, just like the amount of ink that we mixed. It was, mm. I, should go, I should like grab thank, one of the thank, Just a shout out to yeah. Patrick Miko at Florida State College at Jacksonville mm. or FSCJ. Mm. And then Brittany Gorlick, my cohort from Kent State University. Patrick was her mentor when she went there. And not only did he come through because he's done tons of steamrolling events in Florida that Brittany has done with him. But he gave us all of this offset ink, like hands upon. I mean, it was, and he was like, yeah, just keep it, you know. They're five pound cans. So you can imagine that's a lot, a lot of money and resources. And he had purchased a pallet of this ink at like, I'm assuming some kind of like big sale of like a shop or whatever. And he, he bought it for like really inexpensive. So he, I think he said he does, he like brings cans to every event that he does. And it's, I mean, it's super generous and awesome. Super generous. Because we wouldn't have been able, we would have ran out of ink. That, yeah, that like, I mean, we ordered ink and it was paid for by your arts and culture, which was like essential. We needed to have that happen, but it wasn't enough. And so it was great to, I don't know. And I had never seen people block printing with a steamroller using color. You know, mm-hmm. usually are are centered around using black ink, mm-hmm. but we were mixing all kinds of different blues and oranges, and so. That felt yeah. really refreshing, and having Patrick guide us through mixing that amount of ink properly was really helpful. Totally. Yeah, there's just all these things about this process that we didn't, which is one of the reasons why I reached out to you. It's like, okay, mural art. I'm thinking about Swoon and her use of wheat pasting with her prints, but Polytab is this material mural artists are using, but the research that we had done, mm-hmm. we didn't see anybody printing. Mm-hmm. And like creating prints out of those. And it really kind of pushed our understanding of and our flexibility and our comfort zone with, well, how do you mix this much ink? And who do you ask? Because like nobody on the internet could really tell us. So all learning all of that and wanting to urge other printmakers to definitely do this, like taking print and making it monumental because yeah. it's important. <laughs> it's important. Like <laughs> doesn't have to be the only thing and sculpture doesn't have to be the only thing that's monumental and process-based. And yeah. Yeah. Doug, did you have something you wanted to uh, add? I was going to say is 
I feel like we didn't even know if it was going to work when we yeah, started. Yeah, we I mean, didn't. We we weren't sure if we could even print onto this poly tab material. We also um, had a lot of people being like, oh, I don't know if you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know sure. if you should do that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I really did feel like like we had to all put our heads <clears throat> together to, to be like, will this work? Like, yeah. how are we going to do it? Yeah. It absolutely felt like something I could never do by myself. Mm-mm. It would just be too, too overwhelming and mm-hmm. just not enough knowledge. And I guess that's like printmaking in general. There's so much like putting your heads together. Why isn't this working? How can we make this work? I mean, which is why we're such a like community as a, uh, as art makers. Yeah. I yeah. Like part of why we love being printmakers. Yeah. <laughs> that aspect. Totally. Yeah. And so hmm. tell me about the very beginning. At what point did someone say, we need so, a giant mural. So prints. Yeah. I'd say that this initial idea started like a few years ago when Alex, you had just started at grad school, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, we, had, we were talking about like, I think you were feeling really inspired by Brittany and you were like, we should do a steamroller event at Grounded. So I ended up applying for a grant and we, we didn't get it, which everybody, everybody was like, you didn't get it. That was like such an awesome idea. And we didn't get it. So Patrick, the director of Erie Arts and Culture, he knew that this happened. Patrick and that, Fisher and Pat, Patrick Miko. Yeah, two, two different people. Yeah, the, he he knew that we didn't get the, the grant the first time, but he had started this whole gigantic mural project here in Erie. And the goal was, is, it's not completed yet, I don't think, but to put up 50 murals around the walking routes. Like United Way developed, or I don't know if they, they didn't develop them. They They saw where kids were walking to school and traced those those paths and then decided that all of these murals would be along those those routes. And Patrick reached out to me and asked if I wanted to do a steamroller event to print a mural for this for this festival and I said yes and then was like I'm not going to do this by myself though. Yeah. So I I was like technically the lead artist but I don't I don't feel like I was the lead art. I mean I did some like back stuff that whatever, but I couldn't have done it without Alex and Doug and Patrick and Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we got here. It was like part of this bigger festival and we were, it was really cool. We got to put our mural on the Erie center for art and technology building, which houses United way, which was one of the, was like the, I think a big funder for this project. Mm. And just so people get a sense of what we're talking about. Can you just list some stats? Like what are the dimensions? How many individual blocks were used? How many gallons of ink? So we, we had the event and we were printing from 10 until like seven, like 10 in the morning until like seven at night. And there was also an, it was part of like another thing that was happening at Grounded Clay Space was doing a raku firing in the parking lot and there were like there was a food truck and like lots of things going on. So grounded exists in this big old warehouse space and then there's kind of like two buildings and then there's a huge parking lot that make makes up grounded. So with and there's three huge garage doors that open to the outside. So four, four. <laughs> and so within that parking space was the steamrolling event, and then was this other organization called Clay Space who was doing the raku firing. Then we had a food vendor, and we had a, a local beer uh, vendor, and then it was open to the public. So technically, it was a free event too. We also asked local printmaker people if they wanted to do large blocks, 
that we could print them at this event. So leading up to the event, we had like open studios where people would actually all the, all the employees that work at ECAT in the art education department, they all carved like a, uh, I don't know if it was two, it was two four foot by eight foot MDF pieces. They split it up between them all and they did like a huge exquisite corpse so, and we were moving the blocks around mm-hmm. between things. So, so yeah, it wasn't just like us printing that day. Yeah, it was very, very <laughs> hectic day of printing. Mm-hmm. Fun, intense. Like I was just like adrenaline all day. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then even after like a whole day of printing, we what, we what did we start at like nine and we finished at <laughs> seven p.m. I think we, the following day we came back and did it again the next day because we just needed more and more prints to be made to make this mural as massive as we as we made it. I don't know how many, do you know how many, like? There, I think there were like 65. The blocks were four foot by eight foot, a little bit bigger than four foot by eight foot. Is that right? Yeah, like an inch bigger than that, an inch bigger than four foot by eight foot. It's like a, it's a full sheet of MDF. Full sheet of MDF. We each carved, <clears throat> I carved one, Doug carved one, mm-hmm. Ashley carved three that were all just kind of the same repetitive mark. Two. Two? Just two, yeah. And so, and then- there was Patrick Miko who carved Jack in the Pulpit, a Jack in the Pulpit, and Brittany carved Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley, and so that was the size we were working with, and we were just trying to print as many as possible. And th- the theme was native native plants. We were just taking plants that were native to this area and and carving those. And then my block was like a, a pattern, essentially, that was kind of like this control. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. So yeah, they're all plants native to the. Presque Isle area, which is a really beautiful little area in, in Erie, PA. Mm-hmm. It's like a microclimate, kind of, I think. I think it would be considered a microclimate. Hmm. And then what's the finished mural dimensions? How big did it so end up being? It was originally supposed to go up to the top of the building, which was like 40 feet into the air. And we had a, another helper on that day, Sheldon, who got in the lift with me. And I was like, are you afraid of heights? And he was like, no, bring me up. And we got into this thing. And I was like, we're going all the way up. And I took us all the way up to the top. And both of us were like white knuckle. Like, (laughs) we're going back down. (laughs) We're going back down. And I got to the ground and I was like, we're not doing for this is we're changing this right now. Like I'm, I cannot keep going up to the top of this building in this lift. So we lowered it a little bit. So it's probably the tip of it is at like, it's, like probably 30 feet in the air. Maybe a little bit more than 30 feet. And it comes down at a diagonal. So it's like a big, would that be an isosceles triangle? Yeah. Isosceles triangle. It was a, yeah. Like a wedge. Yeah. And the idea was to have a, like another triangle coming down from the roof. And it was kind of this, I don't know, it like would have formed almost like a, a rectangle. But we changed that because it was, I just was, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it. It was too, it was terrible. I, was terrified yeah. going up into this lift and I powered through it, but same, scary. but it was, ter- I just had to like not think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was rough. And cause then, I mean, I was pretty much the one going up there all the time and I'm just like, all right, I got to gear myself up for this, but we got it up in three days, which was amazing. Cause so with the poly tab, so we printed on the poly tab <clears throat> and then we had it all hanging upstairs here at Grounded Drying. Then we took it all down and we took it to ECAT and we used the community room because it's a big room and we laid it all out on the floor. 
and tried to kind of like piece together where things were going to go. We didn't have like a a plan from the beginning. It was kind of just like, we're going to see how this looks and then piece it together. So we did that like a number of times, which was actually insanely time consuming. And then we cut the polytab into sections of like two by two, four by four, six by six. I think that was it. And then rearranged those blocks. And we were trying to like keep it in some kind of order. It's, I feel like we all like shared a really similar kind of like vision of what this was going to be as far as like colors. And like, I just feel like when we were organizing them together, we all like would always, we were always like agreeing about yeah. like how we felt that the blocks were laid out and balanced like visually and stuff. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. And then, and then we had to transfer them to the wall and initially we were thinking we'll just put the glue onto the wall and then we'll stick it to the wall. And we very quickly realized, no, that's not going to work, <laughs> which we're like, I, that felt like, Oh, oh God, like, how are we, are we going to do this? So then we had to bring out like sheets of cardboard and we rolled the back of the poly tab and the wall and stuck it to the wall. And then it was, it worked. We used a uh, glue called Nova gel to stick that onto the wall. I'm trying to remember how many five-gallon buckets of Nova so Joe. It was, we might have used, I feel like it might have been like six or six? seven five-gallon mm-hmm. buckets of Nova Gel to glue this thing to the wall. How much money of does it cost to buy six, five? It's a lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> thousands. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was, I don't remember. That was like an Erie Arts and Culture mm-hmm. handled thing. Yeah. And so can you describe this polytab surface that you're working on? Does it feel like vinyl? Is it paper like? What are so people can kind of get a picture of like what are you actually printing on? Yeah, it's for anybody who are paper makers out there, it's pretty much the same thing that Pellon is, or what's also known as like the interfacing for like collars and shirts, dress shirts and stuff like that. So it's got this kind of saw it's like a textile it's lightweight and somewhat transparent but still opaque like it's white it's it feels it feels like something in between fabric and paper yeah Mm -hmm. and we were talking like is it something that because i have a paper making it's not just a print shop here i have like a bunch of paper making equipment so somebody said like could you shred this and then beat it in the beater and turn it into new paper and I don't, I need to look up what it's actually made of because if it's synthetic or plastic or anything like that, then no, I don't think. But if it was like, I don't know, some kind of high cellulose natural fiber, I don't, I don't know that that's, I feel like it's probably a blend of something synthetic and maybe something like cotton. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the projected longevity of something like this, did you need to seal the polytab after you printed on it? Is it designed to kind of weather and have a little bit of a life? What's the long-term hope for the mural? The goal is to have it last as long as possible, but also I think we all understand that murals are not always forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous about the fading possibility of the color mm. because I actually had put something up that was oil-based ink outside in Erie like a couple years ago and the sun really faded it. 
So I'm a little bit nervous about that, but we did seal the whole thing with this like sealant. I don't remember what it was called, but it was what was suggested. So hopefully that'll help keep it for a while. I think too, watching murals age, watching them interact with the community and that plants grow up and like dogs use them and sometimes people like pick at them. And I don't know, I feel like that's part of what the life of a mural is, Mm -hmm. is that it's a work of art that lives in a community and with the community. And while some sort of conservation is always at the heart, it's also kind of really neat to see it. Like I know Swoon came up earlier and like even her projects, I mean, they're just wheat paste and paper. Like they are, they're very ephemeral. And I think that's part of what makes murals sort of a wonderful way we interact with art is that they do have this arc to their life in the way that something like, I don't know, some Vermeer that's like perfectly climate controlled and surrounded by armed guards is just not going to have that same. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's just on yeah. a very, a lot slower of an arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And kind of just to add to that in like thinking about my practice and relationship to printmaking. And I think Doug and Ashley can agree. It's like, if we're desiring to expand print and what it can mean in like a contemporary context and its applications, which is like, yeah, we can use prints and murals and we can make really large scale murals. It's like, I think for me, taking away some of that preciousness Mm. is a part of that conversation and a part of that growth. So I'm really interested in that, right? Like I'm always interested in pushing print to exist in these spaces as equals and not always, and both are okay. I'm not saying like, for me, it feels like um, valid and important, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like there is a divide in the way people think about print from a screen print that's, let's say, been commissioned from a studio by a blue chip artist and a screen print on a gig poster, like Doug was speaking to earlier. And it's very often essentially the same formal elements, but it's just the cultural context in which it lives. Mm -hmm. And I think as as you're you're speaking to with this project, this idea that let's see print unexpected in unexpected places um, is a huge part of increasing awareness of it, which we are always wanting to do. And yeah, so that's that's really that's really beautiful. I'd love to hear more about the actual nuts and bolts of getting it off the ground, because I feel like this is the kind of project that people are inspired by and they're like, I would love to do something like this. So you've mentioned a few of the funders that you've had and community supporters, but let's say somebody hears something like this and they're like, hey, I want to do a giant print mural in my hometown. What do you wish you knew before you took it on? Our local arts organization, Erie Arts and Culture, was going through transition when when I accepted this project proposal or whatever, like once I, when I was asked to do this. And that was complicated because so the director kind of directly asked me to do this and I said yes but he had gotten another job and was leaving Erie Arts and Culture so there was like this we had talked about all these things and it was pretty like laid out but then he left and I don't know there was like 
in the organization. It was like, I think Patrick wanted to continue to help see this project through. It was kind of his baby, but I think he was not, I think that the organization just said, no, we're, we're done and we're going to separate. And there was a lot of stuff that wasn't communicated. So I kind of had to communicate everything again to Mm -hmm. like a group of people that were all very overworked and very like trying to pick up the pieces for for like, like for this entire, this gigantic project that 50 murals are going up around Erie, Pennsylvania. So like navigating, bringing in artists and all, all kinds of things. And I don't think that there was entirely clear roles with mm-hmm. everybody there. So that was, that was difficult to deal with. There was some fear, I think, that came up around like, they're like, oh, you're doing an event? Like they completely missed that there was going to be a steamroller event. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like re- tell them that. And I was like, we need to rent a steamroller and we have to. And there was like this fear that they weren't going to do that. And I ended up having to purchase all of the supplies and then they reimbursed me for that. But I mean, I feel like it's I'm pretty lucky that I was able to actually purchase the supplies because it was a lot of stuff and then have them reimburse me. So it was a weird thing, but like ultimately it all worked out. There was also... Initially, like I didn't love the spot that we were going to put the mural. I think all of us had maybe some feelings about it because it was kind of, there's a lot of windows and Mm. it was proposed that we put it on the lower part of the building. And I think we were all like, I don't, I don't want to just like contain this mural within this small size. Like if we're going to do this, I like, I want it to actually look great Mm -hmm. and whatever. So I I pushed a little harder than I, I like really did push. I was like, we're going (laughs) to. we're going to go really hard. We're going to go really big. And I'm bringing two people in like where I, I, and basically their lead artist too. And so there was like a lot of discussion around how you market that because the, I don't even know. I feel like this is all, I don't, it's, it was kind of ridiculous. I think like to surmise, if, if you say some, you're an artist, a printmaker, and you want to do a project like this, and it's super expensive, right? The materials are, uh, the budget's like going to be giant. I think reaching out to art organizations that are like nonprofits that have grant funding, like is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And because there is, surprisingly, there is like money out there for stuff like this. And, and it's not, I don't think it's hard to get as you might think, like, especially if it's for something cool. Especially if you live in a small town mm-hmm. and there's less... <clears throat> People, I, I have felt very supported by Erie Arts and Culture in, in Erie. And I, I feel like maybe you guys do too. I feel like we've all gotten really awesome opportunities. Well, and they're, mm-hmm. they're the arts organization for that kind of covers like all of Northwest PA. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. So. Yeah. And, all the additioning I have done was through Erie Arts and Culture. And like, that's just been like a cool thing to connect like a nonprofit with printmaking and yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. Yeah. I think that, I think that us, all of us, I think that we have kind of um, really helped to grow printmaking in this area. Cause I don't, I mean, we're all also teaching artists through your arts mm-hmm. and culture. So we're, that means that we're like community organizations. They can reach out to your arts and culture and be like, we want to have a residency with Doug, who's a printmaker, and Erie Arts and Culture will find the funding and they'll work it out. And then Doug can go and do maybe a 10-day residency with a group of kids at an elementary school or whatever. And 
yeah, so all three of us are now doing that, and they're it's, really cool experiences. It, it is, and it's it's really cool that that there's nonprofits that are helping make our art practices sustainable, mm-hmm. which is just already so difficult. So, yeah. I would also add that doing that, reaching out to you and hearing back from you was everything. Also, there was an, it felt like there was an absence of this when I needed it. I wanted to do this thing with printmaking. We wanted to do this thing with printmaking. We wanted to push it. And it just felt like, who do we talk to? So specifically within the print community, if this is something you're interested in doing, like creating a mural out of prints, having access to other people in this community who are like, hey, here's the resources, here's the help. We can just talk about it and kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah, just getting the word the word out there, I guess, in the community that mm. we're advocating for this. I was going to, can I ask you a question, Miranda? Sure. Do you know of any other print-made murals? Because we, we like tried to search around and we couldn't really find anything. Yeah, like nothing. Not to this scale. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a lot of, printmakers who do murals mm-hmm. and like they might incorporate wheeze paste up elements in what they do. Killjoy does really beautiful mural work. Erica Walker will paint the side of barns. I don't think Erica Walker does so much paste ups. I think she mostly does. Yeah. Painting for that side of her practice, but nothing to the scale. When the gallery that I was working for hosted an exhibition from Swoon in Santa Fe And she did custom-made wallpaper that went from the floor to the ceiling that was, I think, about maybe 50 feet high. But it's still – it kind of depends that in that case you're like, "Mm, what do you mean by print and what do you mean by mural, you know? Um, But nothing really that fits in the vein of what the three of you have done with this undertaking. Uh, Most of the, like, larger print stuff that I've seen installed outside on walls or with wheat paste or whatever also – tends to be like black and white Hmm. or just black ink. And, and I think that this felt pretty different because it was so colorful. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I am even the people who do big ink, who do the amazing work with those huge woodcuts and they've got that big portable press. That's, that's black and white as well. Yeah. I've never seen them do anything otherwise. So yeah. And I think it's definitely, I mean, that's part of the reason why my interest was really piqued when Alex reached out is I was like, oh, I haven't heard about this before. I think that everything you're talking about, particularly with the logistics and getting funding and making connections in the community, that's this wild and woolly part of the art world that people don't really get a lot of training in and they don't get really to understand it unless they've walked it in my experience anyway is that it it's it's such a weird world the world the world of grants the world of nonprofits there's a certain set of rules that you can kind of count on but everything is different and <clears throat> i think one of the big takeaways for me from having worked in galleries and having worked in nonprofits and having worked in different continents and all that kind of thing in the arts is mostly just that nobody actually knows what they're doing. Like nobody knows, nobody knows what we're doing. Nobody understands how this works and that you're not alone in that feeling. And so if you're stumbling forward in the dark one foot at a time, so is everybody else, no matter what it looks like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's like important to keep in mind too. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I agree. I mean, we're also, we're artists, so we're, we all are super unique. We make things, we're constantly trying to push boundaries, I think, as artists and creative people. So how could there be a book that you go to and it tells you how to be who you, who you are? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that there's anything particularly about the project that, affected your own individual artistic practices? Was there anything that you learned or took away from it that you're like, oh, after this, I now know this, or I know I don't want to do this. Anything along those lines as, as being individual artists who've gone and undertaken this big collective work of art, and now you're sort of set free to go back into your own personal studios? I personally, like, the working on a collaborative project like this, it like as someone who draws and has a lot of control over my individual prints, this really took me out of my comfort zone in a way that I really enjoy. When I look back on this mural, I'm like, this doesn't look like my other work, but I love that about it. And I'm honestly maybe in the process of working on another print made mural. (laughs) And it's like heavily inspired by the piece that we made together um, which, and the look of a print made mural kind of has to be such because, you know, you need to want to repeat because we're, you know, it's an addition, but uh, so yeah, just to say that I'm planning this new project that's very similar and I'm almost like, is this just what I am going to make now? <laughs> this just redefine my practice? Like, am I just a muralist now? I'm a yeah. muralist and I didn't know it until I was 35. It's nice working big, you know? It is, it is, it's great. And there's something like freeing about the, that project that we did where, even when we were installing it, we we spent so much time organizing all the little shapes. And then when we got there, we were, we were like, don't worry about it. Up. Let's just go. Yeah. And But that was like freeing because we were just like, you know what? It looks good no matter what we do. I don't know. So some of that like loss of, of tight control, I think, is really going to influence me going forward. Yeah. And in the mural, it, it actually ends up, it, it, ended, it ended up looking like a patchwork quilt, which I love. I mm-hmm. think that's so great. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like I, I like to, I don't want to be, con- I, I don't want to be controlling when I'm making stuff. I mean, sometimes I am, I know I am, but it's, it feels freeing to be able to kind of be like, well, let's like do this in real time mm-hmm. and like, it's going to work out, you know, like you have mm-hmm. to, you have to like kind of believe that it's going to work out. I think in order to have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kept on thinking about like kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about this being like a rust belt city and how so much of labor is like defined and thought about here and important to people. Like you got to be working, you got to be working hard. And it's like, here we are doing this thing that has this history and has this sensibility. And I think for the first time, for me, it felt like when we had outsiders kind of coming into grounded, checking out what we were doing, there was this sense of validation. Like they saw that this was worth time and money doing and that it had a value and it had an impact. And so I think a lot about that in terms of, you know, making at a print shop, having a relationship to a print shop, which is not a privilege everybody's afforded and how that can then influence people who are entering in that space, not really knowing the language. It's an incredible feeling and it just kind of reaffirms my relationship to this craft in particular. Like 
it is so community based and it is it does require this kind of almost esoteric knowledge sometimes where you have to reach out to some printmaker from here who knows a friend who went to school with this other printmaker and you're just like hey I know you don't know me but I kind of know you and it's like you have this chance to kind of you know talk about these more esoteric things and at least bounce ideas off of off of that person and I love that. I love that it's a constant reimagining and rebuilding of this craft and how outsiders and people on the inside engage with it. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there were also some like really relatable elements to like the average non-printmaker, non-artist yeah. in Erie, which I think was a really great in. And what I mean by that is we we used a steamroller. Right. <laughs> <laughs> A steamroller? What? Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that people were like, I want to see that. I don't even understand what you're saying to me, yeah. but like, I want to see what that looks like because I have this point of reference. Like I've seen a steamroller before and mm-hmm. you're going to get on that and drive it. Like, what do you, what's, what is that? So. Yeah. Did each of you get to drive the steamroller at one point? Uh, These two did. You didn't drive it at all. No. Yeah. By choice? Well, Ashley started, I think, just because like being around – well, no, Patrick was the first one. Patrick kind of <clears throat> led the whole thing, Patrick Miko, because he's done a ton of these and is very confident on a, a steamroller and doing the process. So we were primarily like clean hands, dirty hands, like getting the prints, the the matrix where it needs to be and, and so on and so forth. And then the next day, Patrick's like, I'm going, I'm leaving. <sighs> Y'all are on your own. You got your ink. <laughs> I helped you print for a few hours like – be free, my young, my young birds. <laughs> he wanted to stay. He did. He left and he's like, man, I wish I was still there. Yeah. <laughs> but the next day we were just like, all right, we've been given 12 hours of instruction. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> like, let's make it happen. I, so these two. I yeah. drove it for five minutes. Say that I did. And it was really fun. But yeah. Is it automatic or manual? It's automatic. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's automatic. So it's not that difficult to, it's just like a, I don't remember. You put the key in, you turn it on. And it has like a, yeah, it's like an automatic shifter. Yeah. And that sends you forward or back. Mm -hmm. The weird part is that there's like a, it's like hinged in the middle. So like the front cylinder and the back cylinder can like, almost like the way that I would picture like an ant's abdomen. Like it can move. Oh, wow. I d- mm-hmm. did not know that about steamrollers, but I guess it makes sense if they've got to make a tighter curve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all yeah. different. I mean, this one, I've been paying attention now and I, yeah. this one was just, it, yeah, it was like a smaller midsize, like steamroller and was able to turn. I think there's some that, that, that don't, they just go like forward and back, mm-hmm. but, but Yeah. We end. Oh, and you know what? On the day that the event happened, it was very windy. Oh, perfect! Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, yeah, it was really windy, and there was a couple of annoying things that happens when it's windy. One of the things that I don't think we we didn't care that much about, but wind means that like dust and dirt are going to blow everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we would end up getting like we'd ink up these big blocks and then leave them out and come back, and there'd be like like little rocks and stuff like yeah. in the um, showed up in the prints. Mm-hmm. You could see the, just, I like the way it looked. Yeah. It's but, cool. yeah. but the wind effect affected the, you've got a four by eight sheet of like cloth. Yeah, you've basically got a sail when you uh, walk out into the wind. <laughs> I bet. Um, 
<laughs> it was it was rough, and it was on the day of the event. It was great because we had a lot of people around to help. But the second day, we we didn't have we mm-hmm. had your wife, mm-hmm. yep, and Lauren. Alex, me. Who else was here? Garrett, Brittany. There were a couple Brittany. people who were coming in and out, uh-huh. but we ended up having to move the actual rolling and printing of the block from outside to inside. So luckily, actually this building used to be a, a place where they like serviced their road equipment. It was like a construction company and like steamrollers. There's actually a steamroller painted on the front of the building. <laughs> um, but so it was really easy to just open the garage door and pull the steamroller in. And we were able to like really crank out yeah. um, once we moved it inside. So glad we did that. Yeah, me too. I don't think it would have been possible for us to get as many as we did if we would have kept going outside. Yeah, I agree. It did fill up with some fumes, fumes in here. Fumes, yeah, but. right. That was rough. My throat hurt. I was, yeah, I wasn't feeling very good after. We had a fan on and stuff, but, and the doors open, but it was still a lot breathing that exhaust in. Yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> Same with the lift too. Oh, even on that lift, I was like so done. Oh man, that with, thing stunk. Ugh, I was I was making me sick both yes. those days. Same. Yeah. These are the details you don't get in the shiny Instagram uh-huh. montage of the whole yeah. experience. Is <laughs> this the smells, the fumes, yeah. the lightheadedness, the yeah. mm-hmm. blisters. Blister, blister. Oh, yeah, the rolling, rolling. From the major, like the huge rollers that you have to use. There was like a whole. Brittany helped me out. She was, I think she was suggesting using like talc or oh, uh-huh. some kind of powder to kind of help mute your sweat as you aggressively roll. Yeah. If you all could put out into the world like a hope of what this mural is going to do or what people walking by are going to take away from it, what would that be? Like it's there, you did it, you've gone through all the hard logistics. What do you want it to do out there now? For I'm, I'm good if it's just a selfie wall at this point. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but they're ha- they like have been taking pictures of people in front of yeah, it, like at ECAT I've seen and that. stuff. Yeah, that's so funny. I hope, I hope people walk by that mural and they – it brings them joy. And I think that like, I hope that they take that joy and then like pass it on. And it's just like, it makes like in maybe even a tiny way. Cause that's how I feel like all art. That's like the benefit of all visual art yeah. or any art in general is it, it should like, I want it to like enrich somebody and make them, make them happy. And then like, and yeah, pass that good energy on. And I hope that that's what the mural does. I hope that it cultivates like curiosity and mm-hmm. investigation that someone sees this who might be creatively persuaded or just interested in, in looking at something like this and being like, well, wait, but how? How does this happen? And wanting to really spend time with it, whether that produces just elation or just like curiosity, then then I'm good with that. I'm also resolved in the fact that like this is something the three <clears throat> of us and whoever else was involved can really only understand and appreciate the labor. And it's like, that was meaningful too. Mm. Both. Yeah. I agree with what both of you said. (laughs) And I guess that on like a selfish personal kind of space, it feels, I feel like, I kind of feel like this mural, like I proved myself to, um, (laughs) 
family. Mm-hmm. And so, so I mean, I, yes, I, it's so like, ultimately I'm, I really want other people to have great experiences with it and like be curious and whatever. But personally, this was a really important move for like my family and, I don't know. I feel like I validated myself in some way. You're allowed, we're allowed to be selfish about like, <laughs> f- like making feeling cool. And my parents were there. They seemed Same. so proud. And, yeah. Like they got to help out. Yeah. And that, that did feel really great, good. And I feel good about that. My mom brought my grandma on the last day. She, my grandma had a stroke the day after she came and saw the mural. And we, that's the last picture that I have of her like standing and being able to Anyways, it was, I don't know. It felt like, I feel really good knowing that my grandma came to the steamroller event and then also got her picture taken in front of the mural and was very proud. Mm-hmm. That's nice. beautiful. Yeah, that's super beautiful. Yeah, I've been like, for, yeah, for my own personal reasons, I've been thinking a lot about what we do when we make. That's actually kind of like not for our parents, but like kind of for our parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting really emotional. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that my personal mm-hmm. practice really, the, the real like impetus or the thing that has inspired the work that I make now in my like personal work is, is pretty much inspired by my mom mm-hmm. and family stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I think let's see if I can say this without crying, but this was okay. We we can edit we can edit this so but it's mostly just sort of sharing this with you on, on a personal level. My father passed away last month. Oh, God. <clears throat> and this is the first recording I've done. Oh, oh. <laughs> and yeah, I know, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay, same it I'm realizing how a big part of the the podcast was filtered through what I thought he would be interested in because I know he he listened to every episode and his final Facebook profile picture he's like wearing a hello print friend hat and (laughs) and so it's just it's it's just really meaningful that that kind of ended up coming up and hearing your experiences and 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 what it is like to share the creative undertakings we have with our family and and how so much of what we do can sort of be for them and not necessarily in a like, you didn't believe in me, like you, I have to prove myself, but in a just like, you formed so much of what I think about the world and how I process it. And like, this is coming out, like it's, it's wed to what I do. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, it just seems sort of, it was just really touching to hear the experiences that you all had with this big public project and your family and your mother and your grandmother. I'm so sorry to hear that she was unwell the day after, but it's, um, yeah. So it's just, yeah, kind of fitting that that came up because I'm like, Oh, like this is the first one I've done that I'm not actively thinking like he's going to hear this and like, that's going to be something else too. So yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's I've I've been thinking a lot about that. I mean, so my grandma passed away last month. Mm. Also, she had the stroke, and then she passed away. And I have been thinking about just like, where are you, grandma? And almost like like you said, your dad's not going to listen to this, but I I don't know. Like I feel like I'm I'm like now my grandma's with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that I mean in my mind? And I mean, 
I don't know. This is me. Like I, I have been thinking every night I go to bed and I'm like, where are you, grandma? <laughs> so no, much. I, and I, I, I definitely under, yeah, understand that too. Cause I'm, 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 I, I think when you lose someone close to you, you, you do get a very strong sense that there's not a complete absence on the other side, that they have an always with you-ness and you can call that a spirit and you can call that, that you've returned to the world or whatever it is. And like, I feel that super strongly. It's like, maybe he is going to listen to it. Maybe he's listening right now. Like, I don't know. But like in the mortal coil sense, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to have the experience of doing the recording, like without that, that little voice of like, what would dad think was really interesting, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. So we don't need to. We, I don't know how much of that you feel comfortable leaving in. I don't know. <laughs> didn't leave it all in. It's fine with me. Okay. Okay. So to make sure, I know we've we've got a, a, a grief explorer in Alex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I none of my siblings. I'm not from Erie, so the the roots that I've formed here have been through Ashley, who I said is like family, and then of course I have a partner here. And so it is really interesting because this project took it, it took a lot and really it took a lot of digging within myself and constantly because I had just ended grad school and then we had jumped into this project. I was already pretty much burnt out. But knowing that there was support and that everybody really felt like this was special or there was some kind of impetus to really do it and show up because it was so different from maybe the normal culture here around art or murals or the expectation around what labor is. It just, it, it felt like, I mean, I had Ashley here seeing her grandmother was awesome when I was really happy that she could be here for that. And I'm one of six kids. I sent pictures to my siblings. They were all very proud. So it just felt like this was meaningful on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that. Totally get that. Art is powerful. It is. It, it is really powerful. Is. Yeah. The reasons we do it and the way it affects other people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess we're at an hour of recording time. This, this, this interview went in unexpected places. But can you please tell people where they can find and see images of the mural, where they can find your individual practices, where they can find your print shop, actually. Tell us all the things. So Grounded has an Instagram. It's called Grounded Print Shop. So follow us there. And we have a website, groundedprintshop.com. My personal Instagram is Ashy Pastori. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a website, ashleypastori.com, that's got my personal work, which I have not uploaded anything about this mural yet, too. Is there any, like thing like in the like has there been any coverage about the mural that you guys like no i no not not that i know of which is really dumb yeah Yeah, it's a shame but yeah well Well, but miranda thank you for just being open to this you know i we thought about you and reaching out to you and i didn't know if this was gonna go anywhere but the fact that you responded and you were so open like i'm really grateful that Mm -hmm. you were willing to give us your platform to talk about this. And we all really respect what you do. So I think I can speak for all of us in saying thank you for giving us your time. Oh my gosh. Thank you for yeah. reaching out. It's been just a delight. And 
I think you're only about two hours away, so there's no excuse. Oh, we, should, we should meet. We should come. We should go to Alfred. Yeah. Oh my gosh, come to Alfred. We'd love to get oh, out. We should come here. Yeah. Alfred is a town of 700 people, not counting people in wow. the school. So we like getting out. We like getting out. Isn't, it Isn't it beautiful there, though? Yeah, it's really. It is really gorgeous. So, but yeah. You should come to Erie, um, well, anytime, but the peninsula is like the most beautiful place. It's like my, I love the peninsula. There's, I've been lots of beautiful places, Mm -hmm. but I really love the peninsula. There's like 13 beaches and it's basically creates a bay that Erie is built on. So I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. I love showing people the peninsula. Yeah. Will you guys share your handles and stuff too? Because oh, I'm yeah. just like, what? My Instagram is voidboy.art, which is also my website. And it's in, my Instagram handle is named after that because that was my the available web address. And I just made them both the, both the same. But on my website, I just, I've got a link to a video that's like four and a half minutes long. That is the entire process of the mural from the carving to the printing to the installation. So if anybody wants to watch this video and just see everything we've talked about, you can go there and I'll make it like public to YouTube too, if you guys are okay with that. I think, um, I think we should do another like post on grounded just to remind everyone that this was an awesome thing that we did. Yeah. yeah. I think like, just be like, Hey, we did this. You yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so my website is currently under construction, but I do have um, an Instagram, Instagram handle. It's judy.ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do program managing, um, here at grounded. I have a practice here, so we love grounded. Um, what else? I have a show right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Some of my work is featured in printer jam. It's called printer jam. So if you're in Tulsa and you're listening to this, go check it out for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Great. Beautiful. Do you know the dates or approximate dates off the top uh, of your head? It's at flash flood print studios. And I want to say it's sometime this month. Okay. But if you go to the Flash Flood website. Perfect. That'll that'll direct people. That's really good to know. Well, thank you all very much for for reaching out and for doing this project. And I'm just really thrilled. I I hope I can come to Erie soon and see it because it's it's really just down the road. So welcome anytime. Thank you. Respub Artists Unite. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking with us. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, print friends. As you heard in this episode, I am processing a profound loss and change in my life right now. So I'm going to do something I've never done in the six years of this podcast. I'm going to take a little break. For the next couple of months, we'll be rerunning some wonderful past episodes from our over 300 episode archive. But then we'll be back in January with all new conversations with the people who make our corner of the art world so special. I hope you all are taking very good care of yourselves and each other. And thank you so much for all of your support. I'll see you next year. Thank you.